Football fans far and wide, welcome to the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend Recap. The slate of six games were incredibly exciting. A lot of heartbreak, a lot of comebacks, a lot of uh, unexpected results this week. Uh, We're going to go ahead and jump right in, but before... I want to remind anyone watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe. Anyone watching on a podcast platform, subscribe and give us a rating. would be greatly appreciated as we bring in Omar Yusuf into this. And Naif at the same time. Wow, simultaneous entry here. We got Omar Yusuf and NFG. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Oh, yeah. On the, yeah. Uh, guys, I'm at work. I'm just here to say go Cowboys. Do the damn thing. Uh, we're going to derail the Brock Purdy train. And I just want to check in on my guys. That's it. Nice, nice. You got you to ba- you, you bounce, huh? You got to get back to uh, to the grind? I'm actually at work. I'm taking this call at work. Nice. See dedication? No, absolutely, man. Uh, you know, yeah. and there's, I mean, honestly, you can just take a, a, a half hour break and talk about about football. Why not, why not do that? In an hour, I can do that. Okay, okay. Can't do that now, man. I got some work to get to, but gotcha, go Cowboys. Gotcha. Congrats. We're going to kick some 49 ass next week. We got you. All right, nice. Take I like it. All right, man. Thanks for jumping on. Nice. Well, welcome, Omar Yusuf. We're actually, I was just starting the podcast and uh, just getting into talking about the uh, San Francisco 49ers uh, beating my Seattle Seahawks 41 23. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, this was a bit of a, a seesaw game, a little bit unexpected. I kind of thought the Niners were going to blow out the Seahawks in this one. But, uh, you know, Niners stormed out of the, the gate here, 10-0. Um, and then the Hawks came back um, to take the lead at halftime, uh, 17-16, with some great connections between Geno and, and DK. DK had 10 catches, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. You know, the, the Hawks attacked the one glaring weakness on the Niners' defense, which is their cornerback, uh, uh, Lenore. Um, and it worked in patches, but, you know, the seesaw threw the, the, the Hawks right off the ride in the second half when the Niners scored 25 straight points. And, and Lenore, of all people, intercepted uh, Geno. And, and then Geno again lost a fumble that Bosa recovered. Uh, you know, Gino started that first half great. You know, the first half of the season, he started the first half of the season great. But in the second half, he's really kind of regressed closer to the quarterback we expected him to be, which involves uh, too many turnovers for, for my liking. Uh, the Niners only punted once all game. They put up over 500 yards of offense. Uh, when the Hawks stopped them, it was usually for field goals. Um, you know, field goals for the Niners were wins for that, that Hawks defense, which is not enough. And uh, an odd statistic in this game, the Hawks defense actually had eight tackles for loss, three of them by Nuosu. And um, other than that, Niners are just a, a machine on offense. McCaffrey, Debo Samuel just, he accelerates, you know, McCaffrey and Samuel have the ability to accelerate the way that not many people do. You know, they just run past everyone in the defense. They make defensive backs look like defensive linemen with the way they accelerate. And then you throw in Kittle and, and, and Ayuk and Purdy not making mistakes. It just seems like every time I see his stat line, it's like two or three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And that's not to say that he doesn't throw the ball to the other team sometimes. It just doesn't seem to, to result in interceptions. So well, I want to get your idea about this game. Did you see any of it? What, what did you think of this one? I think you're on mute. Yeah, I um I didn't watch uh, part of it, but I told you I stopped watching because I was like, inshallah, maybe it would help you out. But <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, sometimes we kind of overanalyze these things, and I think this game, like you kind of said, like you know, you, you know, if you look at it objectively, and I appreciate like you as a fan, kind of giving that objective outlook. You thought that it wouldn't be close. Yeah, and I think like this was just a game where you had a Hawks team that, to be quite honest, like overachieved. And I don't mean that in you know any kind of negative light. If anything, I I kind of mean that as a compliment to the team for sure. what they were able to accomplish. You know, and I think they just kind of ran into a buzzsaw. Like you and I have been 
we've been praising San Francisco as one of like the top two or three teams in the league. Like all, even when they were like three and four or whatever they were, I was like, no, this team is like legit. And, you know, I think the talent just kind of, you know, it's funny because this game was actually kind of back and forth for a bit. Like Mm -hmm. it was looking like, Oh, we might have something here. And then I think in the second half, um, you know, I think the talent just kind of started to shine through with the discrepancy in the talent levels. And, yeah, you know, I agree with you on um, the way that the Niners play. Like, their two biggest weapons, Debo and McCaffrey, like, it's it's weird, right? Like, they're not like burners, right? Like, if, if you're running, like, straight line, they're not, like, the fastest guys on the field. But they just have a way to get away from defenders like they're 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 very bursty right like in short spaces they have a very quick burst and i think that that gets them away from a lot of these defenders and they're it's funny they're also like kind of similar almost in how they run like debo you know i heard somebody i was listening to another podcast and they said debo is he number one wide receiver i don't know but is he like a number one weapon? Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. Like, you know, the way that they deploy him, the way that they use him. He's like, a, he's a wide receiver who can play running back. And then you flip it around and McCaffrey is a running back who can play wide receiver. Scary. And, you know, you take that and you pair it with their defense. You know, it's kind of funny. They kept, like, crediting Nick Bokes in this game where that fumble recovery was not even, like, he didn't do anything. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't name, even yeah. do anything. Yeah. Right. Um, but but yeah, still like they're like they are to me still right now uh, the class of the NFC. You know, I, I I still have them as the best team right now. Um, on the flip side, and I think you would know better than this. I think you know what a season for the Hawks, man. Like they're supposed to be like a lottery team, right? Like a mm-hmm. top five team. This is what you know everybody was anticipating. Didn't know what to expect from Geno. And, like, I know you're saying that he regressed a little bit, but still, like, what you got out of him was a pleasant surprise. For sure. And you take that and you pair it with some of the, you know, this is a really good draft class, it seems like. I don't I don't know, like, the entire depth of the class, but when you have Woolen and you have Walker and the impact that they made, or the impacts that they made each on each side of the ball, I think it's something to build on. You know, this was like a win-win. You guys make the playoffs, you guys compete, overachieve, you guys find like these young kind of building blocks or these young pieces, and you got like a top 10 pick. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting offseason for you guys. I mean, and, you know, I think the big question is, what do you do at quarterback, right? And I mm-hmm. You know, if you had asked me like a month ago, I would have said, oh, yeah, you, we signed Gino, no question. Now I'm like, you could, and I, I still think they probably will. But I wonder now, like, you know, maybe he wants more money than what they want to give him. Or maybe, because this is like his last shot, right, to get like a big payday, probably. Right. So, yeah, the Seahawks are going to be an interesting team, I think, to watch this offseason and kind of see. But I, I think that they have things to build on. I just think that this game kind of went you know, how we probably would have expected it to go. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely the final score. And, you know, to touch on some points you made, uh, Gino, after the the game, said that he acknowledged that the Seahawks gave him that chance and that if not for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, he's probably out of the league right now. And instead, he's given this opportunity to, to showcase who he is. And, of course, the season on balance, a great year for him. He is going to be going to the to the Pro Bowl after all, which is – which was unthinkable, especially to me even as a Seahawks fan. It was unthinkable that at the beginning of the year he'd be going to the Pro Bowl. Uh, yeah, these last few games I have you know, seen a, a drop in what he's done relative to the beginning of the season. But in that post-game press conference, he said, I want to reward the Seahawks for giving me this chance. So what that says to me is that hopefully he rewards them in the uh, sense of a um, what they call a hometown discount where he – brings down the price because otherwise, uh, you know, you're talking about maybe franchising him and franchising him means giving him somewhere between 30 and 40 million for a year, which is a lot, or signing him to a multi-year deal with with a lot of money, which would would not be great for them. I mean, that's kind of when they started to go downhill with, um, 
with Russell is when they, they, they gave him a bunch of money. So hopefully he does take that um, discount. You're right. that, that uh, The rookie class, Tariq Woolen, uh, the two offensive linemen, uh, Kobe Bryant. Um, I, 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 forgot. Yeah. I, forgot about, I forgot about Cross and like Kobe. Yeah. 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 I mean, listen, I, I think that their rookie class is great. And, you know, in this draft, they have four picks in the first two rounds, including the fifth overall pick. So if this if they get this right, then next year they could be they could absolutely be very good. And I got to give kudos to Pete Carroll. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year. This turned out to just be cut, like better than last year, even. So um, kudos to I, I agree in the big picture. Yeah, I I think that they are in a good place. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, the, the the Niners, like you mentioned, they look really scary. They're off to the divisional championship, and and guys like uh, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. You know, you mentioned something about them that they're not. They're not burners, but uh, I see them break more tackles than they should uh, every game. Debo breaks all these tackles. Like his body's not built to build, to break these tackles, but he still does it. And Christian McCaffrey has this form of running that he looks like he's like a track star. And I think his his mom was like a track star, and he just runs with form. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do in the next round. Here we will eventually get to that. But we'll move now to the San Francisco, or the the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Los Angeles Chargers. 31 to 30. I watched this game in disbelief. This was another seesaw game, but with uh, a much more forceful uh, movement of the seesaw from one side to the other. What did you think of this one? Okay. I swear to God. Like, wallahi, I swear to God, bro. Like, in the back of my head, during like that first half, I was like, what if? I just felt like this lead, like, it's just weird. I was like, what if? I didn't make any proclamations. I didn't make any predictions. In the back of my head, I was just like, what if? Like, there was just a very small part of me that was like, I don't know if this game's over. Do you, is it because the Chargers have done this before? No. It was just like this feeling that I was getting about about like the way that everything – it was like – it was so lopsided that okay. it was like, bro, what is going on? I don't, I don't think that the Chargers are that much better than the Jaguars. Like – now, you can make the case that they're a better team, but I don't think they're, like, that much better. And so I was just like, I don't know, man, something's up here. But, I mean, I wasn't confident enough to, like, say that or predict that. But, yeah, man, this was, bro, this was an all-time collapse. Like, this, I mean, I've seen some collapses. This one is, like, definitely top three, top five. Like, this is crazy. Like, yeah. I think it was, like, the third biggest uh, margin that any team has ever come by, at least in the playoffs. Yeah. And, like, I'm trying to think back to that game, and I don't, you know, it's, I'm looking at the box score right now. So Justin Herbert, 273 yards, one touchdown. And, like, you think about it, and it's just like, bro, if it wasn't for the Jaguars, if it wasn't for Trevor Lawrence, here's the thing. Trevor Lawrence threw some horrible picks. Oh, yeah. Like, it wasn't just, it wasn't just, like, oh, deflections. or No, no, no. Some of those were horrible balls. But you know what, man? Like, props to him for, like, hanging in there and kind of, like, gutting through it. Because, you know, like, you know, it canceled out in the end. And the other thing is, is I think both of these teams, it's kind of funny. You remember, like, a few weeks ago we did a podcast where, and I have said, oh, you know, he thinks that the Chargers are like a dark horse team. I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, bro, the way the Jaguars are playing, you know, with how hot they were, how well Trevor Lawrence was playing, I was like, maybe we should pay more attention to the Jaguars right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was like, this game to me made no sense. Like, this was like one of those classic like just playoff like games that you talk about for the next 10 15 20 years just because of like you know you throw out all of like the analysis and everything we can get into that but like just like being up like 27 to nothing or whatever it was and then only scoring three points in the second half bro like how do you the thing is is like the chargers now i think it's very safe to say have a history of or a culture, it's not even like a culture of losing, it's like a culture of like collapsing, right? Just like, exactly. it's, it's crazy. And I'm reading reports now that they want to keep Staley. Oof. I don't know what to make of that. Um, I think he makes like really bizarre decisions. I think he's, 
I'm all for being aggressive. I'm all for it. But like, there's a time when it crosses into being reckless that you got to be careful. Like playing Mike Williams in week 18 yep. in a mean like that game was completely meaningless to them. I get it if you want to play them for a little bit and then you pull them, cool. But getting him hurt, you know, that was on him. And I just, you know, I, I could point the finger at the Chargers players, but I just can't get over the fact that you blew a 27-point lead, bro. Like, I can't. Like, the coach is to blame here. And all the credit in the world to, like, the Jaguars for, like, chipping away and eventually, like, coming through and winning this game somehow. It's yeah. crazy. Resilient. Just so resilient. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, four interceptions. I think all of them were in the first half. At least three of them were in the first half. Three of them were to superstar Asante Samuel Jr., who had uh, also six total passes defensed. Just incredible. And then Lawrence just picked it up in the second half, threw four touchdowns to four different receivers. And like you mentioned, this game was 27-0 Chargers. Um, you know, I was sitting here with, with with my family watching this game, and I, I kept mentioning as well how this would shock me less if it happened just because of what happened with the Vikings and the Colts earlier this year, you know, when it was 33 nothing. But this is the playoffs. I thought, well, the Vikings, they have a little bit of pedigree, and maybe they'd be able to come back. But this is the playoffs. This is the Jaguars. I don't know that they would be able to do it. But this was the, the collision course of two uh, teams with losing cultures you know what I mean? I mean, if it was going to happen to anyone, it seemed like it would happen to uh, the Chargers. And, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Staley, man, this guy continues to make really weird coaching decisions in his tenure. And, you know, the biggest thing is he did not dedicate uh, the offense to running the ball up 27 nothing. He continued to have Herbert pass the ball, which is really unforgivable when you have this kind of a result. Like you mentioned as well, Mike Williams not playing this game because Staley decided to uh, play all of his starters in week 18 when there was nothing on the line. This was one of those. This was one of those scheduling things that the NFL gifted you. You know the way the NFL gifted the Packers that, that game in, in the late night. They gifted the Chargers this game because they played at 4 p.m. The Ravens played at one. They lost the game, so you're already settled into the five seed. So you know whatever your game plan is, you got to pull those starters. And and you know Mike Williams would have been really helpful. For them in this game. I mean, you know, Keenan Allen is great, but after that, Mike Williams would have been really helpful for them. So uh, on the Jaguar side, um, Travis Etienne running on the outside where he belongs, not kind of within the tackles. He looked really impressive, ran for over 100 yards. Evan Ingram continues to be a wide receiver in the in tight end for, I mean, essentially he looks like a wide receiver to me. His number is a wide receiver number. Uh, on defense, Josh Allen, four QB hits. And uh, this guy named Roy Robertson Harris dominated the game. He had seven tackles, one sack, four tackles for loss, two passes defense, two QB hits. Uh, this Jaguars defense seems to have a, a, a really good defensive line that I was unaware of other than Josh Allen. Um, be, Tyson Campbell is also very good. Like Tyson have, Campbell, yeah, absolutely. They, um, they're going to be really scary, man. Like, next year I think well who knows what they do this year um especially when they get you know they're going to get Calvin Ridley next year oh that's and right the court is going to be even better unless he gambles so, again yeah well, you never know <laughs> they're going to be very scary if they have Cal. I mean you, you got to think like who who's going to take whose spot is he going to take you think yeah the, the thing is, is like I don't so I don't think Calvin Ridley is like one of these like alpha wide receivers but what they would have is like you'd have a bunch of like guys like they would have like these like route runners and like really good receivers and like they'd be very deep that's mm-hmm. like what i'm trying to say they would be very deep they wouldn't mm-hmm. be like top heavy at receiver but they'd be very deep like you'd have i'm looking at not ingram kirk jones both jones and then you throw in calvin ridley then you have uh, Travis Etienne like coming out of the back who can also catch like bro that's yes that's a very deep team I agree I agree all all very solid you know it seems like they're all kind of on the same level all good good wide receivers and Ridley could be above average like he showed in the Falcons so for the Chargers yeah it's going to be interesting where they go from here they said they're going to keep Staley I don't really know how you keep him for more than maybe one more year if he doesn't succeed. Yeah. Just fired their OC today. Oh, they did. Okay. I okay. think. I think. I have to check. But yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, to close this off, congrats to the Jaguars. This is already a successful season for them. I mean, yeah. for them to come from where they are, they thought they were Titans were clearly ahead of them in the division. There was no chance for them to to come back, but Titans faltered. Jaguars, I think, have won. I think Jaguars are on a winning streak at this point. They've won uh, maybe like six of seven or seven of eight or something like that. So yeah, kudos great. to them. They they they're a pretty crazy team. I mean, they're 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 fun to watch, you know. So uh, we'll move on now to the Sunday games. The Buffalo Bills beating the Miami Dolphins, thirty-four to thirty-one. The Dolphins were once a high-powered offense in the beginning of the season. They only rushed for forty-two yards, and even with you know Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, who make any QB look great, they got less than seventy yards each in this game. What did you see here? First of all, I I still haven't seen. I, I maybe it's just because I didn't look into it afterward. Why did Teddy Bridgewater not play this game? Like I don't. I know. I mean, maybe you know, but um, yeah. Like it was just a tough spot for you know playing a rookie quarterback in the playoffs on the road. Yeah. Against maybe the best team, the first or second best team in the AFC, right? Right. Um, you're, you're kind of setting him up to not do well, but I will say this: they kind of made it. They, they made it a game in that second quarter. Like I thought, you know, there was a point in time where I was like, "Oh, we might have something here." But yeah, like you're saying, um, I don't really think that it, the, the passing game, you know, it, it, it struggled a little bit here. I know Waddle got hurt a little bit. Um, but even when he was in the game, you know, it, it was hard to see them moving the ball through the air. They weren't really pushing it down the field like they've been doing all year. Like, I, you know, there was a point in time where it looked like Tyreek Hill was going to get 2,000 yards and mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle might get like 1,500, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, you know, they struggled here. And I'm sure that, like, the Bills defense had something to do with that as well. I just think that this had a lot more to do with, you know, a rookie quarterback playing in his first playoff game. And I, I don't even know how many games he's played this year. I think it was just like one or two. So yeah. that to me was like a curious decision. I mean, unless Bridgewater's hurt, I don't know. He seems to be always hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the flip side, I think, you know, I think Buffalo just continues to kind of show that they're one of the powerhouse teams in the league. They ran the ball well. Receiving game was working. Uh, Josh Allen was interesting in this game. I think you know he threw a couple picks, um, as usual. But yeah, <laughs> as usual. Um, but you know they they have weapons, so it makes up for it. And that defense, you know, when you're playing at home, it's sometimes you can get away with some of these like interceptions and whatnot. Like when you're still playing that aggressive. So yeah, I, I, I think ultimately the. The discrepancy in quarterback, you know, play was kind of like the the dispositive factor here. With no disrespect to Skylar Thompson, I just I put that more on McDaniel's, who actually didn't call a bad game. I thought he was all right. I just I just don't know why you just don't go with Teddy Bridgewater because I could see them competing. They all they only lost by three points. Yeah. So I mean, you never know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I just assumed he was injured. Because he wasn't playing at the end of the season, and um, that's always my assumption. My assumption on default about Teddy Bridgewater is that he is injured, just based on what I know about his career. But it was kind of bizarrely the Dolphins' defense and special teams that kept them alive in this game. Yep. Uh, Dolphins' defense had seven sacks and 13 QB hits on Josh Allen. They were really in his face all game. Xavier Howard and Javon Holland both had interceptions, and then that Zach Sealer fumble return for a touchdown. You know, in addition, Sealer also had six tackles, two sacks, a ta- one tackle for loss, and four QB hits. He was a menace in, you know, in, in the backfield for the Dolphins. Um, and all that to say that this game, you know, ultimately, even though he threw two interceptions, this was about the connection between Josh Allen and his two top receivers, Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. Both of them got 114 yards each, and that's really all it took. Uh, Bill's defense showed up like they usually do. Um, they had also 10 passes defensed and 11 QB hits. Miserable day for, for Skyler for most of this game. Um, and then elite kicking in this game. All 11 kicks were made. And uh, you can't take that for granted nowadays. We'll touch on that a little bit later. 
but this game was, you know, um, it was kind of bizarre because I was looking on Twitter like after this game and it seemed like a lot of Dolphins fans, even though they were the losing team, they seemed pleasantly surprised and upbeat. And the Bills fans, the winning team, were all kind of worried about what happened and, and kind of looking to the future. That, oh, we're not going to beat the Chiefs. We're not going to beat the Bengals. What uh, so, so that, that was kind of interesting. Um, overall, you know, the takeaway for me for the Dolphins is I think they do have a, like a, a bright future, but they really need to stabilize that quarterback position. It doesn't look like any of these all any of these three quarterbacks on this roster are going to be the answer for them. And on the Bills' side, they have a crazy rematch against the Bengals now only three weeks after that emotional game with uh, the uh, yeah. DeMar Hamlin incident. So we're going to see what happens in that game. That's going to be really kind of um, interesting to see where the emotions are, which team has the edge there. Um, but we'll move on now to uh, maybe the, one of the most surprising uh, results of the uh, uh, the weekend, New York Giants beating the Minnesota Vikings 31-24. to um, You know, lots of stuff happened in this game, obviously, but the most simple explanation is this game was not at 1 p.m., therefore Kirk Cousins – could not use his Superman cape. What do you think of this NFC East team? Now three of them are going to be in the uh, in the you know NFC uh, divisional championship. So I guess I gotta say the Giants are not the worst nine six and one team of all time. Like they <laughs> they have earned the right you know to not be called that. Um, a game by them, man. I. I, I kind of had a feeling that they had a ch- they actually had a chance to win this game. Again, I was I was too too much of a coward to I think actually like proclaim it. Mm. But I I, I kind of had this feeling like, hey man, the Giants. I I think they're like you know I think they're hungry, and I think Dable kind of like is very good at harnessing that energy. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that he's done very well is that he's put his two most important players on offense. Maybe not, I don't even know if they're the best. I mean, Saquon is. I don't know if Daniel Jones is the second best player on offense, but he is probably the most important you know, as the quarterback. And he puts them in positions to succeed. I saw a stat the other day where he has, like Daniel Jones has had like nine fumbles in like the previous like three seasons or something. Mm. And he has like zero on this. It's like something crazy. Really? Off the top of Really, I didn't. I didn't realize that. It's like something crazy, but the point is, is that he's like essentially like you know minimized his turn because that was a big thing with him, right? It was like how how much he turned the ball over. He doesn't have that problem this year, and I don't think it's a coincidence that you know the offense is clicking, the play calls. Like, bro, I'm looking at the box score right now. Daniel Jones had 17 carries, 17 carries for 78 yards. Wow, that like. When you know that your quarterback, that that's a strength of his, and you can scheme that into your game plan, then, I mean, that's just really good offensive scheming and a good coaching. And the thing is, it doesn't, it, it didn't feel like he had 17 carries. Like, you know, like you were just surprised when I told you. And he still threw the ball 35 times. So 78 yards on the ground, 300 yards through the air. Like, I think he is you know, the coaching, like, is, is tailored to the strength of that team. And they're maximizing that talent to the best that they can. And in a lot of ways, you know, kind of over-maximizing, like, over-achieving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kudos to them. This is, like, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from the players, but this, so much of this is on the coaching and, like, what they've been able to do. I also would say that Kayvon Thibodeau looks really good. Uh, he was flying around, yeah. And I think you know he's he's kind of like come on the second half of the season. The other side, I agree with you, man. Like this, it's funny because like if you look at Kirk Cousins' numbers, he didn't play bad. Like thirty-one of thirty-nine, two touchdowns. You know, he had a decent you know quarterback rating or good quarterback rating. But I mean, we saw this the whole. We kind of saw this at times in the Vikings. And it kind of like suggested that this might be the case, right? They had like the lowest point differential of any number two seed, I think. And no, they're not. The, they're they're not the number two seed, but they had like one of the worst point differentials. I think of a twelve win team. That's what it was. Yeah. It was like it was like the worst point differential of a twelve win team 
in the past, like, I don't know, like 25 years or something. Or maybe it was ever. I don't remember. Yeah. But, you know, that is, like, kind of a damning stat. Because that, that shows that, you know, we're not really seeing that level of thoroughness in their play. As was the fact that they were like seven and zero in one, one score games, and now like now they're zero and one in one score games in the playoffs. Oof! Right, and it kind of like came back to bite them there. So yeah, that's kind of like my big takeaway is like this kind of exposed like the story of the season for each team. Where can you go other than Brian Dable? Because we've seen these players. We've seen da- Daniel Jones has been in the league. Saquon Barkley has been in the league. You know, these uh, tight ends, Bellinger out of nowhere, uh, Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hyde. I mean, these guys these these guys were buried in depth charts and already in the league. Um, he's turned Daniel Jones' career around where a lot of a lot of people were saying that, that he was done, that he was gonna be out of this league essentially. Um, yep. and then turning, like I mentioned, Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton into at least for this game, star receivers. They they, they combined for two hundred 200 yards. Um, like you mentioned, Daniel Jones again outrushed Saquon. This has happened at least like two, two or three times in the past few weeks. Um, you know, they give him the name Vanilla Vic now. I mean, I'm not sure how that applies. He's, he's, he's not quite as fast as Vic, but it's a, it's a cool nickname. But yeah, man, go, going back to Kirk Cousins, like you mentioned, good game. You, you mentioned his stats, two t- touchdowns, no picks. Um Actually, didn't make a mistake at all, which he usually does. But it was more about a stout uh, Giants defense that would stop a lot of these players when they caught the ball. Justin Jefferson had seven catches, but only 47 yards. Seven catches, 47 yards. So very sure tackling by that Giants defense. You mentioned they have a really great offensive, or sorry, defensive line: Thibodeau, Aziz, and Jalari, and and some other guys. Uh, but the best player for the Vikings uh, was uh, T.J. Hawkinson. He had. 10 catches, 129 yards. They really kind of exploited, I guess, the coverage of the linebackers for the for the Giants. He's paid dividends, at, you know, for, for a guy they picked up at the trade deadline. But, you know, overall, it just wasn't enough. Uh, Zardarius Smith, I was he was playing really, really well to start the season. He was looking like a defensive MVP uh, candidate, and he disappeared in this game. He basically did nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, the Vikings underperformed relative to their expectations. And uh, Rodi, I don't know where you're at, bro. I know you think this game is was rigged or whatever happened, and they're supposed to go 17 and 0 and all this stuff. But um, hitching your wagon to the Vikings has proved to be, uh, um, you know, kind of a, a sad endeavor. Um, and the Giants, they continue their miraculous season, going now to face their division rival Philadelphia where I just saw this stat that they haven't won in Philadelphia in 10 years. Uh, but, but, and I'll save this for a pick'em show, I think they have a really legitimate chance to win this game, and we'll discuss that, I think, later in this week. Um, based on kind of what I've seen, you know, I, I'm, I am judging this a little bit about what I saw in the final game of the season where Philadelphia was playing most of their players and Giants were playing nobody, and it was a 16-22 to 22 game. And you just never know. I think I think it's going to be a really good matchup. I, I'm going to, I'm giving the Giants a better chance than I think a lot of people are, to be honest with you. I agree. Yeah. All right. We'll move on now to the Sunday night game. Cincinnati Bengals uh, beat the Baltimore Ravens 24 to 17. This to me was a strange AFC North game. Teams very familiar with each other. Uh, the Ravens played better than their talent level, and the, and the Bengals played below their talent level. And this tends to be the case in divisional games. Uh, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I would agree. I think that's a great way of putting it. I, I didn't expect that. I thought this game would be a more decisive win for Cincinnati than it was. I think um, I think Huntley played well, man. Like, I mm. contextually, like, right. if I'm looking at this on a curve, like, I think he played very well for a number two quarterback. You know, he made some mistakes, like, you know, a goal line fumble he had, but, Hey man, like who cares? Like at that point, you know you're playing with house money. I'm him, so just go for it. I thought he played pretty well. Um, I thought the the Ravens' run game was all right. Like it wasn't like anything great, but you know I thought it was all right. And 
I thought, you know, their defense played well. They kind of shut down the Bengals run game. Joe Mixon didn't do anything. Um, it was kind of, it was a more boring game than I was kind of anticipating. Absolutely. I'm quite honest with you. It was yeah. pretty boring. Yeah. Um, I think the highlight was obviously that fumble return. And that's, that kind of like, that was like the, the deciding uh, play in this whole game, both in terms of like the score, but also like the momentum. I don't think the Ravens ever really recovered from that. And, you know, I mean, we'll see like if the Bengals can kind of reset, you know, I, I think they can and kind of like go in and, you know, play the Bills. But like you said, sometimes this just happens. Like these divisional games, especially in the first round of the playoffs, like, you know, sometimes you don't really know what to expect. Like weird things happen. But this was just one of those like, Man, like this was probably like the worst game of the weekend in Definitely. terms of like watchable, like you know, quality. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, and uh, even like looking at the offense, no one offensive player really stood out here. Uh, you know, uh, Jamar Chase had nine catches, but only eighty-four yards on those catches. Um, this entire game was, like you mentioned, defined by that single play, Huntley trying to sneak in a touchdown at the goal line, but getting the ball knocked out and. A defensive lineman of all people, Sam Hubbard, uh, running 98 yards for the game-winning touchdown. That was really the the one exciting moment in this game. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, now famously post-game, criticized both his coaches and Huntley, uh, saying that the goal line run should have been uh, his and that um, uh, Lamar would have won that game. I mean, I don't know how you say stuff like that and expect to, I don't know, stay around or maybe you think – Lamar is gone, or I'm not sure, but he wanted more than those 13 carries, and some might say it was warranted given he averaged about five yards a carry. Maybe that would have been better for them. Uh, I think the, you know, despite Huntley playing above his skill level in, in this game, I think Hunt, you know, the Ravens need to do some soul searching regarding how they fundamentally scout their quarterbacks, and I think they need to actually bring in some proper ones on this team and um, I think they have a good defense. I think they have good running backs. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and a lot of these guys, they have the best kicker in the league, in my opinion. And and Rashad Bateman, whose career is, you know, his career potential is being being wasted uh, without a quarterback. Um, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Huntley played okay in this game, but all these other guys, Anthony Brown is not the answer. I don't think Lamar is the answer. Um, so that's the big well, that's, takeaway. Yeah, and... The other thing I kind of took away was, how was Lamar not there? Like I was like that was that was a bigger deal than I feel like mm. people, you know, were not talking about. Um, I know he's hurt. That's fine. And again, I'm 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 pro player when it comes to contracts. Like you know, get your money, hundred percent. But yeah, I don't. I I really don't want to be that guy who like tries to create drama when there is no drama. But I wonder, like, does it rub the players the wrong way? Do they feel a certain way? It's like, bro, how come like, you're not here? Because, like, I, I look around and, you know, I see players for other teams who are hurt, but they're still there. Mm-hmm. And it was just odd to me that, you know, Lamar is not there. So I, I thought that that, it seems like it's a very calculated move uh, based on, you know, his current contract status. And I think... That's going to be one of, if not the biggest, kind of like off-season storyline as far as like, you know, free agency and roster moves. Other than like what happens with Brady and Rodgers or whatever, like what happens with Lamar? Are they going to trade him? Tag him? Like what's going on? Because like it doesn't look like that relationship is in a good place right now or in like a great place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll see which team is going to bite. Are the Ravens going to sign him to a long-term extension, or is there another team? Miami, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think it will be um, – if anyone gives him a long-term contract, you know my feelings on Lamar. I think that would be wasted money. But we shall see. It will be a storyline. But we'll move on to the game of the week. The Dallas Cowboys beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 35 to – no, sorry, 31 to 14. It should have been 35 to 14. Um, I'm going to give you the floor here, man. Congrats on this win. Uh, big, big Off win. One. Beating Thank Brady you. finally. Off one. Appreciate it. So, here's the thing. Like, kinda, I kind of like got to lay the whole atmosphere for this. So, 
are you familiar with the idea of like the collective conscience where like everybody is connected through like this like this uh this is like a, a consciousness that connects like everybody so like you feel right i'm familiar bro i kid you not the whole day i'm checking twitter i'm checking my phone messages from naya every Cowboys fans are nervous in that like bro <laughs> it is like their hearts are like thumping out of their chest like they're you know every it's just crazy because you gotta think about it it's it's the weight that is put on this franchise and these players 30 years, no road playoff games, right? Every year, whether it's whether it's fair or not, the media talks about the Cowboys as Super Bowl contenders. And yes, I'm purposely putting this on the media because us fans do not say this every single year. Are there some idiot fans who do this? Yes. But for the most part, we understand that there are some years where they might contend and some years where they don't. Anyways, and I also blame Jerry for this. But anyways... <laughs> Um, there's so much pressure and I thought, you know, leading up to it, like I had to shut off Twitter. I had to shut off social media, like just block everything out. Cause it was, it was so bad, but man, what, what a performance when your two most important players step up and have transcendent performances. Dak had an all time great performance, like all time mm-hmm. great. There was like, you know, there are so many stats I can get into and, like, you know, how this was, like, such a rare game that he played. But the big thing is that he bounced back from, you know, a not-so-good game, and that's me being nice. And he stepped up in the biggest moment against, you know, that quarterback. Mm-hmm. I know that he's not what he was. I know that that team is not that great. But the stage and the moment where he played, the way that he took over – you know, the way that he dominated and just shredded that defense, that was an all-time great, like, playoff performance from that. The other thing is, is that Micah Parsons wrecked the game. Like, if you look at his box score, you're not going to see, like, you know, six sacks or whatever. But I think he had, like, nine pressures, like, you know, a few tackles for a loss. Um, he, had, uh, he had a sack, like, at the end of the game. Like, he was just everywhere. He, had he almost tw- had a couple, like, he had, he had 20 uh, non-called holds, according to Naif, who dropped the 20 yeah. pictures of the 20 non-called holds. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, man, he almost had two picks. Like, you know, I mean, I think he wasn't really going to pick them, but, you know, pass deflections. And I think, like, you know, Dak and Mike are the two most important players on this team. The two of the three best players on the team, if you throw in Zach Martin as well. When they play like this or close to this or you know i don't expect like this every week but like when you play like great this team like we can contend with i think any other team agreed you know and when that defense like the first two drives if you notice the offense was very slow to get going but the defense hung in there the defense was ready to go from the get-go and i think they really set the tempo for this game and the other thing is is that the biggest play from this game was made by neither one of them. The biggest play of this game was made by Jaylon Curse. Mm. He intercepted Tom Brady when it was six to nothing, and they were on like the three yard line. I don't know, like it was goal to go, and he threw that pick. Completely changed the game because at that because at that time I'm like, oh, this is going to be a back and forth game. When he threw that pick, it completely changed the whole feel of the game. We were able to go down, score, and from then. You know, after that, we were, like, kind of off to the races. But yeah, man, like, I, I know that this Tampa team is not that great, but this was more about getting so much of this pressure off of, like, this collective organization and this franchise, the fans, the players, like, whomever, you know, whether it's fair or not, you know, kind of, like, just getting past that. And now, like... I've heard so many people say this. I was listening to the post game, like Troy Aikman, Steve Young, like they were saying, like now, like hopefully, like the team can play more free, like more loose, because they, because they're over like this initial, like you know, this pressure, this initial, like kind of uh, a weight that was placed around them, and now they can go out and just play football, and that's kind of what I'm going to be looking for moving forward. This was a great, like kind of 
first step. It was awesome. You know, beating Brady is always great. Uh, now it's like, okay, now let's like, let's go and play football. Put all like that extraneous stuff that doesn't really matter. You know, McCarthy did a great thing when he showed. I don't know if you you saw this, but they had a team meeting, and he showed pictures, like baby pictures, of all the players who were actually alive the last time we won a road playoff game. And they're only ten players. Wow! And they're all babies. This was like nineteen ninety three, bro. Wow! And you know, his point was, all this stuff that happened is not on you. Like it's not your fault. You're not connected to it in any way, and it doesn't impact you or how we play. And I thought that that was like brilliant. Coaching. Pretty genius. Yeah, because I would hope that it eased like you know a lot of the nerves that were on them. Because you can you can say what you want, but I'm promising you, like you hear the noise, like as a player, like you, even if you try not to, you know. And for them to kind of like push through it was very impressive, and like just again, it was it was a relief to kind of like get past that. It's like okay. Now we can, like, go play football. Yeah, for sure. Like you mentioned, this was a Dak Prescott game. This was really his emergence uh, to me in the playoffs. Um, 305 yards, four passing touchdowns, one running. So he had he was accounted, he accounted for all five of the touchdowns. And despite uh, Maher absurdly missing four extra points, and, you know, I saw Dak slam his helmet and, and some other guys get really upset with him. Um, but yeah, like you said, after that play, Cowboys kind of cruised here in this in this game. Mostly is as they tend to do when, when Dak doesn't throw interceptions. This team cruises, and you know it really sets the tone for both the offense and the defense. Um, Cowboys defense, like you mentioned, they looked really good. Parsons wreaking havoc as usual, and like you mentioned, Jaron Curse, great game. Three passes defensed, and that interception, that key interception, that that, that changed the uh, the momentum of the game. Um, on the other side, the Bucks running backs were pathetic again, totaling 51 total yards. These this team needs to uh, to draft a a competent rookie fast running back in the in the draft next year. Lenny and even Rashad White are not going to do it for this team. Uh, Brady wasn't bad. He had 351 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, and he spread the ball around equitably, but uh, it wasn't enough and. Now some attention will be turned to Brady. Um, uh, what, is he, what does he do next? Does he retire? Does he go to a different team? My hunch, it seems to be he's now, after a dissolved marriage, addicted to football, and he's going to lean all the way into that. And I think he's going to be playing for another team next year. I think he's likely going to be going to probably the Raiders, where he's from that part of – well, actually, no, they're not in Oakland anymore. I, I think he might go to the Raiders because of McDaniels, but um, we'll see about that. But uh, Dallas now moves on to a rematch versus the Niners in in a matchup that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, it's a game where I hope they they knock off the Niners. We will talk about this more in in, in the Pick'em Pod. But I want to get your just you know final thoughts about um, uh, about what they might do versus the Niners, what they need to do versus the Niners. Just. A quick, you know, as the the week progresses, I'm th- I'm sure more things will come out, but I want to get just like your quick reaction to what do you think they're going to have to do? Yeah, so looking at it kind of early, I think you know when I was thinking about it last night, I actually thought that initially, like, oh, you know, we'll have to like run the run 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 the ball more. But now that I think about it, I think the weakness of that 49ers defense might actually be the secondary mm-hmm. because the. The, the defensive line is incredibly stout, right? The front seven, your linebacker, core, everything. You might have to throw the ball here. And I don't mean, like, reckless. I just mean, you know, control the game through the air. And going back to Dak, so, you know, I've been a Dak guy since, since the beginning. And I think, you know, what gets lost a lot is he has always been good to great in the playoffs, like, except for last year. He was he did not play well last year. But, so, he had a season high grade of uh, a passing score of 94. He had the most, so he has the second most games with a 90-plus passing score since 2021, including the playoffs. Mm. So, Pat Mahomes has seven, Dak has six, Josh Allen has five. 
And, you know, like my point here is that like, like you're saying, this was kind of like his emergence. And I think like what you were getting at, it was like his emergence into like that elite category of like quarterbacks. And like, you know, I, I certainly think he is more than capable of, you know, being that guy. Um, and, you know, I think this, this 49ers game, I do think that the team takes it very personally what happened last year. Because, I mean, let's be real. We got embarrassed, bullied, punked, like, mm-hmm. you know, at home when we were favored to win that game. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond. I think that the passing game will be important to just control the game. Like, have a controlled passing game. You don't have to go, like, you know, deep shots all the time. Just control the game through the air. Because um, I would be surprised if they were able to run on San Francisco, but who knows. Defensively, I think I would kind of lean towards having Micah play less defensive end and have him play more linebacker, but kind of roam around. I don't want him just chasing the running back, but I want him kind of like roaming around. You don't know what he's doing. You know, oh, is he rushing up the middle? Is he rushing off the edge? He's we we gotta disrupt Purdy. He is like the guy here where you you have to scare this kid. Like at this point, I think you know the the other players on that offense are established players. They're great players. So you gotta get to the quarterback and kind of disrupt everything. But it's gonna be tough. Like you know, San Francisco is a very tough team physically and mentally. Like it's kind of in their DNA to beat you up. You know that stat. Teams who played the 49ers are like 0-14 the next week or something crazy Oof. like that. So I expect this to be a very physical game. Uh, just kind of looking at it very, very, very early on. So we'll kind of see how it goes. Yeah. Like you said, I mean that, that's a very solid kind of overview, and and as the week goes on, I think more things will emerge, and maybe more storylines, and you know whether they're going to get a new kicker, like are they going to keep this guy? They're going to get a new kicker. Uh, what is uh, McCarthy going to do this week? He certainly matured. I mean, I remember there was this whole thing about the mojo, I think last year, and then now to 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 do this uh, to show the baby picture of the laptop. That's that's a very clever move, I think. So what does he do this week? You know, to to, to inspire them. Um, yeah, as we get more kind of context throughout the week, this is the next step for the Cowboys, right? I mean, w- winning a road game, one, avenging the Niners, you know, a historic rival of theirs is absolutely the next one, especially on the road. So we will see and definitely talk about it on the Pick'em Pod. Looking forward to that one. But that'll bring this recap to a close, this wild card, this super wild card weekend. want to thank Omar Yusuf here uh, for, for joining the podcast and, and – um, like I mentioned before the uh, podcast started, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and, and subscribe, leave a comment, share. Uh, following, if you're listening on a po- podcast platform, subscribe there, give a rating, follow on Twitter and Instagram, and support this podcast on Kofi. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been the Football v. Football podcast. We'll see you on the next one, and have a fantastic day, football fans.